episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi, gang. Donna here. Thanks for tuning into the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is Kingsley. Kingsley takes us on a musical journey of how she is one of seven siblings who grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and found herself in Portland and created a life that she couldn't imagine. Her journey doesn't end there. While she's always wanted to move to LA, she now finds herself heading across the sea to London. Hi, Kingsley. How are you doing today? I'm so wonderful. How are you? I'm good. I am very good. So um, looking at your bio stats, you are from outside of Chicago originally. Correct? I am. Yeah. It's easier to tell people that, but I'm from Plainfield. Yeah. Plainfield. I, live in, I live in Harvard, so I completely <laughs> understand. <laughs> it's easy. Just outside of Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you say Illinois, people think anyway, it's Chicago. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. Because, you know, then I have to be like, oh, it's a farm town. And then I grew up as a development and we kept tipped cows as our high school prank like people like you Chicago and cows well (laughs) the middle of my town we have a cow statue for we have the longest running festival in Illinois called milk days oh that's awesome (laughs) it's weird things like that that I'm like I love Illinois and we're supposed to be the dairy capital of the world but other than the cow in the town and the milk festival, I really don't think we are, but yeah, that's awesome though. Maybe at one point, but not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah, no, no. Point. So anyway, <laughs> but you went to another place that I I actually have visited and it's a great town, which is Portland. Yeah. So I'm currently living in Portland right now and not today. It's very rainy and crappy, but I really like it here. <laughs> <laughs> are the winters a little bit better? No, so it's like pick and choose your fighter type of a thing. I do not enjoy negative degrees, so Chicago was not for me. But here you won't see the sun for two weeks, so it's kind of like, which one can you handle? Yeah, Chicago, it's freezing, but you can you still see the sun reflecting off the snow, blinding your eyes. Nothing like a morning drive with the sun reflecting (laughs) off the snow. Your tears just freezing because they don't fall down. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, I have to say this winter, we, it was really mild comparatively speaking. I think we had one or two really bad days, but yeah, my parents have even said that they're like, you would come back and you'd be just fine this year. And I was like, what I be? Just wait till next year. It may be negative 40 below wind chill again. Anyway. So what do you, what made you decide that Portland was your home besides the winter weather? Yeah. I actually knew nothing about Portland. My um, ex I'm going to say trick me to move here, but I ended up tricking myself. Um, He moved here while we were dating and we were long distance. And I was just about to graduate college and like move to LA after my summer. And he was like, why don't you move to Portland? And then you can move to LA. It's closer, you know, it's easier. I'm like, okay, well, if I do that, I have to have a music job. Like I cannot just move there to move there. Um, And I have to live rent free because my college town, the way you pay my whole summer would have been free rent. Um, Cause they make you pay three months ahead. It's this college thing. Um, so he said, okay. And so I moved there rent free and I ended up getting a music job a week later and I still work for that company. Um, Cause they're incredible. And 
yeah, we broke up later that year and I didn't move. I just kind of stayed and I was like, I'm going to figure out the music industry a little bit better. Then I'm going to move to LA. Um, and it was six years and now I'm moving, but I'm not moving to LA. I'm moving to London. So like my whole life has been skewed <laughs> to all the Wow. Things. That's a, so, so well, okay, before we go further, <laughs> you know, they always say some people come into our lives for a reason in a season. And obviously he was, he, if nothing else, you were meant to be in Portland. Yes. So that's a blessing there. Now, why did, why, okay, we have LA <laughs> and then we have London, which so, are totally different. So what made truly. you choose London? And I hope I get to LA. I hope I do live there sometime in my life. Cause my, my 18 year old self is probably kicking like we wanted LA. Um, you, when you learn more about the music industry and especially now with the digital era, I think I knew everything for LA to be nineties based, right? You move there, you get a record deal, you know, and it is so far from that. And, um, now that I know more about touring and um, connecting easier, just America, it's pretty hard. And so I've done a couple tours and they are so much longer because it's so many hours in between, just America's so big and uh, it's so much more money. And I toured with like my full band and I toured with just my guitarist. And each time I think I lost a thousand dollars, you know, like, yeah. It's just like, and that's on me of like, I got to make sure they eat from my pocket because this is my dream. And so when I've been talking about like touring and what I want to do, I ended up having just like these amazing opportunities with three really great um, artists that are in the UK, but they tour here. One of them is SG Lewis. He just played Coachella uh, a couple nice. of days ago. And I was talking to his tour manager specifically about like what I wanted to do. And I opened up for him at a show a couple of years ago and I'm, was planning on moving to London for like six months right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit. And now I'm like, it's not going to be six months. I'm just going to go, I'm going to get my butt up and go. And it's I so far with everything that's happened, my flight is on September 12th. One of my very good friends who's, I call them my like super fan family. They bought my ticket as a birthday present for me. Nice. I ended up finding a touring company that's there. I ended up finding a, a new a PR company that's there um, that is going to like help me with like Europeans. Like there's just so many things. And even just like how I got this interview with like core, they've introduced me to so many people that are like across the sea. So it's just been a lot of things that I've like really turned over in my mind that if it's meant to be, so your circle will just keep growing and connecting. And yeah. So now London, I hope I get to LA one day. Well, that's, that's exactly, I mean, what you're describing is perfect manifestation of creating what you want. And when I was reading through your, your notes last night, it reminded me of somebody that had been on the show before. He was originally from Michigan and he went down to Georgia to do some work and then went back to Michigan and then he went to Brazil. And he always wanted to sing, but it's like in America, he had no shot. So he started making beats and started producing other people and everything else but people are liking his stuff in Brazil. And so he's finding his own niche there where in America, it just wasn't. And they always, you know, back in the eighties watching musicians and stuff, they're always like talking about how hard it was to crack the United States. Yeah. And, and still there it's such gatekeepers. And even in the digital era there, it's still very gate kept, you know, the algorithm is fun, but you know, who's paying for the algorithm? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the algorithm, that's the thing is, if you can hit the algorithm, great. But guess what? It's going to change tomorrow. So <laughs> so buckle up. <laughs> yeah, you're in for a wild ride. Yeah. So 
you have now you're going to go over to England. And how long do you plan on staying there? I mean, is that just going to be an indefinite thing as long as you can keep your work visa going? Yeah, one way ticket, work visa. And even they do like travel. So like you don't tell anyone I said this, but like you can get around work visa. So if your work visa expires and you're waiting for it to get renewed or whatever, if you go stay in another place for a couple weeks, it's like a travel, like a vacation, like three weeks of time. They, some places let you stay four weeks of time, you know, and then you your visa will come back and you go back. So you can... You don't ever have to yeah. come back to America if you don't want to. <laughs> well, and, I mean, the nice thing, I mean, because I've done some research, the nice thing is where you're at, you can go over to Paris if you want. You can go to Gibraltar if you want. You can go to Ibiza if you want. So there's all these other options for you to see so many other places. Yeah. Yeah. And different cultures and different, you know, just everything different where, yes, LA is totally different than Portland and Chicago is totally different than Portland, but it's not the same. It's not, yeah, it's... I think that's the thing when you learn more about the music industry and just more about uh, what your ability is in the music industry. You'll see that like the glitter and glitz of LA um, is far from what it used to be. Well, that's what, that's what a lot of things. I mean, even the, the entertainment industry, I mean, back in the nineties, Chicago, Chicago had a big surge of making movies here. And we still kind of have that that Hollywood feel here. So, and then Georgia's got their own thing. So, I mean, everything has kind of been pulled out yeah. and spread out. Well, why not do it everywhere in the world? Why just in LA? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, and I mean, I hate to say it, I have thoughts of moving to LA. I have always wanted to go to LA myself. So I understand. It's always yeah. one of those things where it's like, it, it's a dream and you want to follow it. But sometimes our dreams take us different different directions. And London, yeah, yeah I mean- that's one place I've wanted to visit. And it's like for my birthday, I, for my 52nd birthday, I'm like, I'm getting my passport. And of course we had the lockdown. And- <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It just means later. So next exactly. Year. It means if somebody were to say, Hey, you want to go on the spur <laughs> of the moment? I can go, okay, let's go. Yeah. If I had that much money, but you know, <laughs> actually not- surprisingly, and I'm saying this surprisingly from Chicago, the flight, so off season in September, it was literally $500. And I thought it was going to be more than that. Wow. But it was surprising. But they're also saying, uh, I think on the news, that like airline flights are going to be going up soon. Oh, yeah. Because of jet fuel, of course. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. so but let's, I <laughs> let's let's get into why did you become a singer? Yeah. Um, it's so cliche to do the, like, it always felt like home type I of know, thing, but-, but it really, truly, I think when you really get into your purpose and, and individuals that have it, um, or individuals that are searching for it really know that thing of like, um, I love the, the metaphor of like the surfer that's like inside of the wave that it's like only they can describe it. Like you have to do, you have to be inside of the wave to feel that feeling, but really just like singing has always felt like that to me that like everything could be chaotic and going wrong and, and, and everything feels so centered here. And I had felt that from a very young age and held on tight to it. And I have not let go, you know, but like, but you see that that's, it goes back to what you were saying about the surfer, but it, it goes to you've left, you stayed on your path. You've stayed with your passion and therefore these other doors are opening up. You didn't stray. And I think if you are true, no matter how people are like, well, but that's so awful that you went through that. But if you didn't go through that, you wouldn't have the pain to write about in your music. You wouldn't have the pain to use those life events to make you humble. 
Yeah. There's, and there's so much more. I think I, I, I'm, I'm super spiritual and Easter just passed. And um, I was listening to a great sermon that was just talking about like you, you look at your garden with, and you're trying to plant all these flowers. Like, what do you know as a gardener? You don't know much. And you're trying to grow in conditions that are not meant to grow. And what if you allowed other people to grow your garden? What if you allowed education from, and I think about that in my life, like this lipstick collection, like, I don't know anything about makeup. I used to shop at Walmart. Okay. I know their makeup. I know they do buy one, go, you know, and it makeup has nothing to do with music in a sense. Like, you know, like it's just been so many times that I, I want to move to LA and I'm going to get signed. And my, what garden I would have built for myself had I have let, you know, myself be led that way. And, and now it's just, I feel so fruitful and everything that I do can be related back to the, my one true passion. If I allow myself to think of it, that's how we're in this interview today. You know, that, that there's just so many things that my garden is just so full and so blissful because I've allowed myself to have it. And it's still with my, within my purpose, but just way more than what I thought my purpose could be. Right. And I mean, one thing about flowers, I've, I've been amused and I always take it as some kind of sign that I'm on the right path is like one day I was coming home and there was a petunia growing up in the track crack of the driveway. There's no way it could have been there for any other reason or pansy. And it's like maybe a bird dropped the seedling or something, but it doesn't matter. However, it got there. It's okay. impossible for it should be impossible. Yeah. But sometimes the impossible can actually be done. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a community quote too uh, from the TV show. And he was talking about the blade of grass that grew in the concrete from his prison cell, the scientist, the mm -hmm. teacher. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. If you actually look at how, and this is a little bit more airy fairy, I guess, but if you look at like an abandoned building, like something that you, you see these videos on YouTube and stuff of all these abandoned places and how nature reclaims them, how it gets reclaimed and, and man does not have to do anything. It's just there and nature takes over again. So what is meant to be will be. So yeah, get all philosophical here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to the makeup line that, that, Obviously, I know it ties in with your music, but that had to be kind of a, a shock when somebody came up to you and said, hey, do you want to do this? Yeah. So it was like a really weird and I'm giving so much homage to Catherine of Event Cosmetics because without her vision, oh my gosh. And um, it came about because I was releasing this album. I had raised all this money for my Kickstarter in February. Then COVID happened in March. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I put out this out like I have the money now for the yeah. first time I have all the funds. It never happens. Um, and so when we finished producing my album, I was like, wow, you know, I raised five grand. I spent five grand. This album is $10,000. Like, I don't want to just put this. I don't want to just put it out. It doesn't feel good to me. Um, should I wait? How long should I wait? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so talking with Kathy, she was like, well, when you put your album out, we'll just put a lipstick with it. We'll put one of my lipsticks. That way I'm selling you've got something fun. It's new. No one's doing it. And I'm like, that's an incredible idea. Let's do that. We spent all summer long just getting to know each other. She's listening to the album. One lipstick turned into three. And so each single that I released was released with a lipstick that embodied the single. 
And then that spiraled out that we were like, well, what about people who don't wear lipstick? So we released a lip scrub. And then we're like, what about people who don't want to do that or lazy? So we released a vitamin E stick that looks like a chapstick. Um, and we have two more products coming out Mother's Day weekend. And it's just been really incredible for me to learn about skin and really get more comfortable. Like I would never, I was really, I hated my lips in high school. Now they're cool. Everybody gets lip filters. I think that's amazing. Um, but I really had to like rediscover what confidence looked like and, and how, if I'm going to teach other people how to do it, how I do it to myself. And it's just this incredible moment. I will go to demos with Kathy and I will watch her put makeup on people and put my lipstick and just see people light up and just, you could just feel, feel blissful and feel this uh, insatiable feeling that just like, I'm like, man, my product did that. That's really awesome. And it's, it's like the music did it. It's just, it's, I, I get this so, this feeling so many times now, like with the products, with the music. Um, and now people will listen to my music while they're pre-gaming, putting on the lipstick. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like, this is what this product was supposed to do. And um, again, I, w I couldn't have imagined it to be cooler than what it already is. And most people, when they add product, um, they're usually famous and they're usually repping a brand. And so this is really cool for me to be in the community with this incredible black owned makeup company here in Portland, which is like hard, a hard thing to happen. Like she's black owned and she's in Portland um, and just share her story and all the amazing things. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. I mean, once again, it's going against the odds and you're kind of doing it differently because yeah, every, you know, Oh, how many singers get their own perfume line? How many singers have their own makeup line now? And it's like, you're doing it on your own terms. And that's, that's a big thing because let's be honest, a lot of times in the music industry, especially if you get that contract, you're owned, you yeah. have no personal say in what you look like, who you're going to be. That's all kind of managed. And, and a lot of people are like, Oh no, that's not, I don't know if it's as managed as much as it used to be, but there's still a certain amount of management to it. Yep. And so yep. this way you get to call the shots, you get to create what you want, and it's not just your name being slapped on the label. Exactly. Um, and uh, it really has taught me so much about branding. And I wear the, the one is, one is my favorite. It's called therapy. It's a liquid black mat. It's like my signature look now. Everyone knows I'm wearing therapy. <laughs> like, you know, you don't have money. It's, it's $29. You know, it's cheaper than therapy. Um, <laughs> so I've really learned about like branding and iconic. And I think I had really valued the iconicness of like um, Amy Winehouse with her wing, you know, Madonna, like there, there are these things. And now I, I can see why, you know, that type of branding really goes a long way. And I've learned to embrace it and really build it into my collection. Well, if you look at like Lady Gaga, initially Lady Gaga, the perfume came out and she basically balked that she did not have anything to do with this. She didn't want to do it. And now she's created her own makeup line. Yeah. So you're kind of, you're following along those lines of taking the, your power and owning it. Yeah. That's what Madonna did too. Madonna owned herself. You know, and you go into partnership with who you want to go into partnership with. Yep. And who's who you value and just, yeah, there, it's harder to have scandals when you invest in the people that are around you instead of the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Because when the last thing you need, I know they say there's no, no such thing as bad press, <laughs> but <laughs> with cancel culture, that's not ca the case anymore. Yeah. Not the case at all. So what... 
this is, you know, the second album you put out, you're, you said you actually have a new record coming out, a live demo, your live recording coming in what, two weeks, you said? Um, I'm recording it in two oh, days, yeah. like two live days. studio right. audience for Crying on Holidays Acoustic. So my sophomore album, but just stripped down three vocal parts, guitar and some light drums, very light drums. <laughs> so like an unplugged. Very much an unplugged, very MTV unplugged. Yeah. Make it a thing again. <laughs> <laughs> And I want to say you were you were saying saying about Amy Winehouse. There is a little bit of that vibe to your music. I've gotten that a lot. I've, yeah, and I think it's just the um, I think it's the raspiness and the way that I phrase my words that I can hear. And I cover Valerie, and so many people be like, I couldn't think of who you sounded like, and then you sang Valerie, and I'm like, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have that project. And the reason why I started doing that was actually my first album that came out. I am because I am um, in 2019, 2018. Um, when it was out, I felt like I had spent so much time on it, but I was still a newbie. And um, I got this random opportunity to open up for SG Lewis. And so my DJ was like, we should remix all of your songs to kind of like fit his like DJ esque. And I'm like, let's do it. So we remixed six songs for my I am because I am album. And we performed it and everyone was like, where can we get this version? And I was like, oh, it's not out yet. We're going to put it out soon. And so we put it out and it's called I Am Because I Dance. So we had the regular pop version and now this EDM, SG Lewis-esque. And then I was doing winery shows and I would take these same I Am Because I Am songs and play them acoustically. And people like, where can I get that version? I'm like, soon. And so I released I Am Because I Feel. And so I had this album that was literally dressed up and dressed down. And I was like, why don't, like, I'm going to do this for the forever. So with Crying on Holidays, the next one will be called Still Crying, which is the acoustic version. And then sometime later this year, I'll release the remixes, which will be all the songs literally EDM'd up, you know. And that way I can spend two to three years <laughs> promoting one album instead of one year. And I don't know where I've learned that from. I literally, I attribute just myself of being like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, and it's been a really great marketing tool for my first project that I know it will be for this uh, second album. So, yeah. I mean, for me, I remember, you know, when something came out in the eighties, yes, I, I'm in, I'm an eighties teen and, and uh, 20 and yeah, it was like the single would come out and then you're going to go get the 12 inch. You're going to get your dance music because that was the way it was. And, and I still have my vinyl, which for back in the day. And it's like, you wanted to hear those different mixes because while the song is great, the remix was even better. Yeah. And so if you can get that much mileage out of one record and you spent, that 10 grand but if you're able to play a winery show and then somebody says says oh i really like that guess what i have a cd you can you can have just all those and it's yeah. been cool like some some people only like my acoustic stuff some people only like my dance stuff some people only like the studio version that's okay by me right. <laughs> okay as long as you like it <laughs> if you're if your music's getting out to different people in different styles that actually shows the versatility of you as an artist and that's that's major because you're crossing the board instead of just being in this little niche so that's pretty incredible thank you, thank you. Yeah. so what is the biggest gig you've ever played 
Oh man. Well, yeah, the SU Lewis one was pretty good. That, that, that was, it was sold out. And a week before the show, they added support. Like they didn't even need to, they could have did an evening with him. He could have played, you know, and mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. That was pretty nerve wracking for me because it was very new. Um, I have a song with Sony. They did this 20 anniversary for Motown where they did the remixes. So I got to remix, keep me hanging on. And, um, I performed that like in Vegas, uh, in January of 2020. So right before COVID. Um, and that was a pretty big, I like forgot the words. How do you forget the words? <laughs> you know, it's funny because my friend was doing that song for an audition and I knew the song because Kim Wilde had done a remix of it and she forgot the whole thing. And I'm like singing to her so she would hear the words. It was like, so I, don't worry. You're not the only one. <laughs> it's so many repeats. Um, that was a pretty big deal. I've gotten to play sold out music festival. I've gotten to drive 12 hours to play a festival in San Francisco. I've had pretty, I can't say there's one that I've been like, this is incredible. This is because every time I get the opportunity to do something, it's, it's really incredible. And I can't believe people like me enough to want to, um, have me perform. Believe in yourself there. So I believe it, but I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, like, ah, I'm here. The the dream is coming true. You've arrived. Sitting backstage waiting to play. It's pretty cool. That's how it goes, though. And you keep growing and growing and growing. So I want to go back to, so you taught yourself how to play guitar and piano around eight. Yeah. And then you started a family band with your two sisters. <laughs> yeah, we really thought we were going to be the next Jackson 3. Really or thought. the Jonas Brothers as the, <laughs> the The Jonas Brothers was our thing, yeah. We Well, we thought we'd be married to them as well. So we thought we'd be like sister-wife band, because that makes sense. Yeah, of course, because that's how naturally life would progress, <laughs> that you guys would meet, the three of you. Yes, that's exactly how it all play out. I understand. <laughs> understand. Keeping it all in the family and, you know, that way you don't have to fight about whose in-laws you're going to go to. Right? Christmas will be lit. <laughs> a, tri- a, a triple wedding, you know, all the grand plans. <laughs> so, yeah, can, so how much uh, do you have any of these, these performances hidden on audio and your parents or si- siblings have uh, threatened to release them? They're on YouTube. Oh. They're free for the internet. I do so much embarrassing stuff in my life. I don't think anything. I think I literally ripped my pants like a week ago. Like nothing really embarrasses me anymore. And I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, no, they are on, they are on the internet. I think there was only one video that I like fought my sister to take down because I didn't blend in my eyeshadow and it was just blue. And I was like, we can't have this. We can't have this. I can't even focus on the music. <laughs> Looking at Not when you're a makeup person, you really can't. <laughs> She's come a long way. She's come a long way. Yeah. Well, th- you could say it that way. You know, look how far <laughs> she's come. If Kingsley could do it, so can you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we really and that's where my name Kingsley came from because I started this band with my siblings and my mom was like, you don't have to pick your names, you can pick whatever you want. And we're like downstairs, we're Googling, we're searching names, and my sister Dom picks uh Phoenix and my sister Bree picks Sage and I picked Kingsley and uh we were this heart-filled band and it was like these pseudo people that we got to embody and become and it was um very much make-believe, but something that again I don't know when I feel when it feels right I just kind of cling to it and I really loved Kingsley's confidence in places that I didn't feel very confident and I really loved uh, the idea of letting go of myself and becoming something when you go on to stage and 
And I have done that for as long as I could probably up until COVID when I was like, all right, I got to really be confident in my personal life now. (laughs) Really getting tired of putting on a hat (laughs) coming back off the stage. Um, But yeah, I'm very thankful for my sisters. They did not want to practice nearly as much as the Jonas Brothers. So that's why we didn't make it, you know, so sorry <laughs> but you know the one thing you were talking about is going up on stage and putting on a persona the, the fact of the matter is no matter how much you integrate your personality when you are in the public eye you have to put on that persona because if you have a really bad day and something awful is happening you you can't cancel the show yep. you still have to go on there and be smiling and doing your job yeah and i think that that can go into your personal life too and i think it's taught me how to move quicker through not even quicker through emotions in a way that i don't uh, feel them but quicker through emotions of like you can decide if your day is going to be good or not and um especially if i have a performance later i get to be like okay feelings what you want to do now (laughs) you know you want to linger or you want to and even just moments that like I would, it would fluckle my whole day, like getting a parking ticket would, and it doesn't, I'm just like, all right, whatever. I just spent uh, two, $300 at the DMV. And I was telling my best friend, I'm like, but whatever, it happened. I got my stairs. All right, let's move forward. You know? Yeah. So I think that Kingsley has really taught me in my personal life that like, at the end of the day, if you want to have a good day, or if you want to be whatever you, you got to get through it to make it happen. Let me ask you this. So if you ever got to the point where you were like Rihanna, could you handle that? Do you think you could handle the fame? Yes, because (laughs) one, (laughs) that's my goal in life. And two, I used to practice. And this is how I know, because what kid does this? I used to practice my thank you speech, my like Grammy speech, but I practiced taking it out of my dress so that I wouldn't be shaking when I like read it. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. There's That's been next so level. <laughs> in my life that I'm like, why am I practicing this? <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really strive. I, Rihanna, Beyonce are like one of my favorite people to look up to. That's like, at the end of the day, we got shit to get done. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. We got to get it done. And yeah, that type of caliber is where I want to be in life. And that's the goal. <laughs> so. Well, the thing is, you know, some people would say that you doing that, you know, practicing, taking that out, that's all creating it. You're creating your reality, a future. Right, but reality. I was like eight. Why was I like, you know what? Let me do this. <laughs> but, but didn't Beyonce do something very similar with award shows and stuff? Yes. And um, Adrian, uh, she was a cheetah girl. She talked about how her friends used to read that they would put the subtitles up and they would pretend to be teleprompters. And so when she became, um, she was on, was she on The View? No, no, no. What show was she on? I can't even remember the, the talk, TV. Show. The View, The TV. It just TV. got canceled. It was with, right. It just got canceled. But um, she was literally like, people would be like, you're so good at reading. And she's like, yeah, because as a kid, I used to play a game called Read the Cat on the Screen. Like, what kid does that? You know? Yeah. And, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I, I don't think that we really realize what we start creating as kids. We don't but we have a lot of power and a lot of imagination at that time to do it. And we're not so stuck in the daily grind and the minutia of living life. And we don't really question our imagination. It's just fun to us. Yeah. So I think now if I'm like practicing my speech, I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Just call it the power of manifestation. Now that's the adult way to say it. That part. So I want to I want to talk to you about your some of your lyrics and you know one of the songs I really liked was All of Me 
I liked your song. I mean, I was kind of bebopping around in the chair, dancing to it. Good baseline. Um, so what was the inspiration for it? Yeah, All Me, uh, which is the deep liquid matte <laughs> lipstick, um, which just embodies this regalness when you're when you step outside of a relationship and you've had a person tell you like, it's me, like I'm the reason why we can't be together, but like, you're really looking at it at a different lens and you're asking yourself, is it really you or is it really me? Because I'm looking at the start and the middle and the end, and I can see the blame is both of us. Um, and I wrote that with all me. It feels like it's all me. So tell me who, who's, who's taking the blame on this song. Well, and I think that's, that's, very mature because most people even in their 50s will sit there and say oh it's all the other person no it's a two-way street it's two-way and that's okay mm -hmm. sometimes i'm an aries so like sometimes it's my fault <laughs> i'm a libra so it's all about balance and all about trying <laughs> to go oh no i'll take a lot more responsibility than i should because i want to make you happy <laughs> at least that was the old me but you know that's still you know libras are people pleasers what can i say but you know the thing about Aries is you guys are very fiery and you make things happen <laughs> I have a lot of Aries friends I am surrounded by water I am I'm a little too fiery so I need people to be like cool down bring it here <laughs> you're hot <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so and of course we have therapy which you know this is it's funny because um I don't know where you fall on this, so but I'll I'll say it. I read cards, and today's card was undermining. You know, it was the Seven of Swords. It was all about undermining. That's the card for tomorrow. And it's funny because you know the first one of the lines in therapy that really stood out to me was, "Now my mind's my own worst enemy." And I think that is so true for most of us because we've let so much garbage from other people, whether it be teachers, parents, siblings, friends, get in our head. Yep, speak on it. And then we're we're, we're sitting there going. Okay, so how do you unscrew your head? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I joke, I call myself a, a Christian Buddhist witch because I was introduced to Christianity, then Buddhism, then witch. So like, I'm all of them. I think they're all really dope. I think all of them have some, and then you find, you know, you find your thing. And if 10 years from now, I'm introduced to something else, that'll be added to the bracket. So yes, I'm a big card reader. I love, okay. I love reading cards, except for when they give me the ones that I don't want. Then I have to like shuffle the deck and be like, I need to sit with that for a moment. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that. Um, but therapy, I uh, wrote when I went to therapy. And so I originally went to therapy, um, because my partner and I, my ex-partner now, we were together for four years, which I wrote this album, released the album, and we stayed together a year later. And I'm like, did I not listen to the words? <laughs> no, no, no. Hard-headed. Um, and so when I went to therapy, it was really to like figure out because we had so much chaos. I had never been in love before. My parents are, were, are not a great example, bless their hearts. Um, so I went to therapy to like really learn how to be a partner. I'd never been a partner before. And as I unraveled all of this stuff with him, it really unraveled a lot of reasons to why I never dated before and why I wasn't in love. And, and really this thing of like, now my mind's my worst enemy is really a reflection. Like you said, you get fed so much from other people that e your thoughts aren't even your own. Right. And so going to therapy, slowly unraveling all of these things and, and really teaching yourself to think for yourself, to feel for yourself. Um, and to stand up for yourself is is really incredible. And at the end of that song, one of my lyrics is like, um, call me crazy, I guess I'm crazy. Because when you start to think for yourself, 
and you don't align with what the people feed you, you're the, like, call me crazy. I guess I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all right. You, you suddenly find that people that have been lifelong friends are no longer your friends because you're standing on your own and you're standing in your truth. It's not the person that they're used to. Yep. Which is just incredible. And I'm, I'm, I'm slowly finding gratitude for that partner. Like you said, the guy who brought me here <laughs> and to this partner, um, I'm slowly finding gratitude because, because of him, there's so much growth that I had to do. And, and then I was willing to do it, you know? And one thing that, you know, let's go back to the, the mind therapy thing here too, is we also have to learn to forgive ourselves for the choices we've made. And that's, that's another hard thing. It's like, after you unscrew your head, then you have to forgive yourself and do and treat yourself better with grace. Yeah. There's an incredible uh, meditation that I always go back to. It's the Hapona Ono Ono. It's a Hawaiian meditation for forgiveness. If you literally type in that in YouTube, there'll be so many. Um, I personally like the one that Master Shiri Akashana does. And you repeat to yourself, I'm sorry. Thank you. Please forgive me. And I love you. And, you know, what what a way to talk to yourself. You yeah. Know? Be like, I'm sorry. You know, please forgive me. I thank you for going through that. And I love you. Because so many times in our lives, we're not taught. We're, I mean, yeah, our parents will tell us they love us. Okay, that's fine. But that's still not always, depending on how you grew up, that's not always the truth. And so then you're searching for love through, from outside of you. And so then we make these choices. And we bring these people into our lives, whether it be. It feels like love. Friends, and it's yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. It, it, it feels like love because that's what we thought love was. That's because we weren't taught how to partner. You know, I, I hate to say it. School teaches us some wonderful things. They teach us how to read. They teach us how to write. They teach us math. They teach us all these skills. But then they don't teach us how to live. They don't teach us how to cope with stress. They don't teach us how to function as an adult. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've seen make memes about, man, it would be nice if they would have showed me how to balance a checkbook and do taxes or deal with credit card. I mean, and then you got the stress factor. If you took the stress factor out, you know, if you could teach kids how to meditate and be calmer, wow, maybe we wouldn't have so much, so many gun issues we do. You know, and I'm not going to get into that, but it's just the fact of if we were calmer people, we all might be functioning better. And, and not even calmer, but just knew how to regulate our what our emotions were saying, because I literally and I do this a lot to myself when I get upset and angry. I ask myself, like, what, what is my anger saying to me? Because it's a bigger thing. Are you mad about that? Like, what, what is your anger saying to you? And questions I had to learn to ask myself. And I think meditation is a really good way, not even just to like bring yourself down here and like breathe, but also like, what is this feeling telling you? Is this a feeling that comes up every day? Is this a feeling that comes up in this situation? You know, like, let's, let's dissect this feeling. Where do you feel the feeling? Well, and and the thing is too, is especially when you're in a partnership, my, my husband, when he was still with us, if he got mad because he was frustrated with himself, he'd be like, MF, da, 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 da. And I'd be like, I go in the kitchen. I'm like, are you okay? He's like, is your name MF? As a younger person, I would have just went off on him as a, an older person in my second marriage. I'm like, I'm just going to go away. I'll come back in about a half hour. Yeah. And so I did. And I'm like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, that wasn't about you. It was about me. And that's the thing. I think we get angry at ourselves, but we lash out and on the people. And the problem is we're so easy to react. We react so easily. So 
I think you going forward, though, I mean, you're, you're seeming to be in a good place and, and on solid ground. And that's a good thing. Thank you. Yes, it's, 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 I'm very thankful to COVID. I, I know there was a lot of, a lot of loss and a lot of um, pain that COVID has caused. And in the lieu of all of that, I had the ability to slow down for the first time in my life and sit with myself that I just never allowed myself to do. And when there was literally nothing happening in the world, I was like, I'm not going to get strong because I know I'm not fit. I'm not going to the gym. Good for everybody else. I'm glad you guys did that. But I will get mentally stronger. And I got to just go back to my meditation practice, but really do it in a different way. I wasn't 18 anymore studying in a temple. I'm, you know, I'm 28, yeah. you know, studying in my studio. Um, and be, I, and I tr- attribute everything that has happened in such a positive way, specifically to COVID, because I've just learned so much about um, how to love deeper, how to give more freely, and even just how to be kinder in the world in ways that I never knew that I was not doing until I had a moment to slow down. And that's, that was the benefit of COVID that we did get, we were forced to slow down, which let's go to, you know, when I was looking at some of your lyrics for I'm fine, it's like, you're really harsh on yourself in these lyrics because it's like, I was foolish. I was stupid. Guess I gave into your lying. I mean, sometimes when we're in a relationship, you are so desperate to believe the other person is because you want that person. You don't want to lose that person. So you convince yourself that reality is not really reality. Yeah. I think I'm fine. Was this thing of saying to my, like really the chorus is like, I don't need you. I don't need your loving. I don't. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I told myself that, but now I'm telling myself the opposite that I I'll be fine. And more of the sense I love that women are like, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And in reality, it really is fine. We just had to say it out loud, you know? Um, And it was a big reflection on myself of the relationship of like all that's the thing when you take blame of what you've allowed a person to do, it's so much easier to set boundaries instead of like, you made me mad. I allowed you to come into the circle like this and I am no longer allowing you to come into the circle like this. You can no longer make me mad if you can no longer enter the circle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm fine as a really great reflection of seeing all the things that I did, you know, and at the end of that bridge that like you made me, Week I was begging, you know, kept this bad bitch steady crying, like, who am I to let you cry? <laughs> like, you know, um, so, yeah. Well, I think a lot of times when we get in a relationship, we give over our power. It's so easy. We lose ourselves. We give over our power. You know, well, you have to change your last name when you get married. Why? Why? You know? I have a cool last name. I'm not changing it. I never changed my last name. I've been married twice, never changed it. And the first one was kind of upset. The second one's like, well, my dad's going to be mad. I'm like, look, I've been this person for this long of my life. Why am I going to go change it? Not to mention the hassle you got to go through. And and now that my husband's gone, I'd have to change it again if I want it. And it just, no, no, you know, it's not worth it. Not worth it at all. So when are so you're gonna you have makeup more makeup coming for Mother's Day? Yeah. Is this gonna be more lipstick or is this something? It's more lipsticks. They're really cool. Can't are tell you, anymore. <laughs> are you gonna get it into some eye makeup and stuff? So that's I I don't know. That doesn't really represent me, and I really want to be authentic when I'm okay. when I'm selling, especially because I um I wear the products um okay. and it's and I don't like lying. I just don't believe in it. Oh uh, no. Not hey. Time. But I thought about nail polish 
I really like that. And it matches the lipstick. You can, yes, you can be like, <laughs> so. I mean, you, you have to be authentic to yourself. And if you're authentic to yourself, then it comes across and people will believe you. And that's one thing I was going to comment in your video is, you know, a couple of your videos, you are very authentic, you know, you're authentic to yourself and there's not the heavy filter. There's not the overdoneness of anything. You're not making sure that you have the push-up bra on. You're not making oh, sure. I haven't worn a bra since 2015. <laughs> I ain't going back. <laughs> but you understand where I'm getting at. It's like you were being real with who you are. And that, especially in by today's standards, is an amazing gift. Yeah, I I don't um I, I want to attribute to a lot of a lot of people in my life that I saw were who just didn't give of a care in the world and when I went to college I just I went to my first school was a predominantly white three three thousand private school <laughs> it was an interesting time and I really shadowed myself and really tried to do these things and was wearing clothes that weren't really you know that's well the, the preppy kids wore so I'm gonna wear preppy clothes and I'm an athlete so I'm gonna wear the Nike and Adidas look and I don't even like to wear shoes. Okay. As soon as I'm done on the track, I want to take off my shoes. I don't want to wear any, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, when I transferred to NIU, I just agreed with myself that I was like, I'm going to do me. And if people don't like it, they won't surround themselves to the point where I was walking to, I have a business degree, I have two degrees. I was walking to the business class with no shoes on because it's a spring day in Illinois and like, we don't get those. So I'm like earthing right. as I'm walking to class and the Dean of the school of business calls me over. She's standing outside and she's like, what, what, where, where are your shoes? And I'm like, they're in my dorm. What do you mean? Where? I was like, don't you want to touch the ground? Didn't you guys pay for this grass? Don't you want to feel what this grass feels like? So she takes her shoes off and we're talking and everyone walking into the school is mind blown that I'm like with the Dean of the school, <laughs> just no shoes on talking, whatever, I go to class, take my class out. She emails me that she wants to give me a scholarship because that was one of the most profound moments in her life. And I've, I've had so many moments like that, that I'm like, I'm literally just going to do me because like, it, it, and if it turns out great, it's turned out, and not every time has been great. Right. But more times than not, I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to feel like myself. So. Well, and, and the key here about the, the shoes off thing is you're grounding yourself, especially if you're in the grass, you're grounding yourself, you're grounding your energy. So you're not all up in your head. So it's an amazing thing. My husband, we used to get, as soon as we get home, I mean, I, I live in my Birkenstocks when it's not snowing. I live in my <laughs> Birkenstocks because uh, I like my sandals. What can I say? And as soon as I get home, I take them off. And my husband would be like, you hillbilly hippie. What the hell? Absolutely. <laughs> he's like, why are you doing this? And anytime I would hurt my toe or something, he's like, that's your fault. I'm like, so what? I, the I like will heal me. I'm up on my foot in the grass. <laughs> <laughs> I like having, you know, I like being barefoot. I just, oh, yeah. I was called hippie so many times. And then I moved to Portland and I was like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> You can't really say you're a hippie in, in Portland. You can't, you can't. No, not at all. So you're going to go to London. Are you going to, are there plans to record in London or just tour? What? Yeah, no there? plans to record. Um, so I have a new project that'll probably be released um, June of 2023. I have six songs demoed out. And so when I move, I'll record mix and master. I have the artwork. We're working on the artwork in a couple of weeks. I'm always ahead. I love doing the artwork. I love visuals. It's so out of the element. It's so fun. 
um, and start mapping out some music videos. So yeah, I plan on doing a lot in the UK. I just, my heart is open, my hands are open and whatever happens, happens. What I'm finding interesting by when I'm talking to musical guests is the whole now with, with streaming that nobody's looking at albums. They're all looking at, I want a new single. I want a new single. And I had a guest last week, Merchant or two weeks ago, and he released a whole album. He's been releasing singles up and up and up. And now he's released the whole record, the rest of them. And what I admire about you is the fact that you're putting your visual concepts right together. And there's a lot of people that are like, well, I'll get to the video. So I played because it was his release party on the show, kind of. I ended up making three music videos, which was great for me because he's like, oh, you can go ahead and do this. I'm like, okay. So that was a great experience for me, but it was just one of those things where it's like, it wasn't something I expected. And I know for you guys, it's like, some of them like, well, I don't have the time to, to do the video and I don't, and I don't have the money and I understand all those, but now with an iPhone, you can record a video. Do you not have the time or money or do you just not believe that you can do something like that is the thing because you put an album together. You didn't have the time or money for that, you know, but like I, there's, there's so much creativeness that comes from music videos that you get to showcase that you don't get to showcase when you're making the music. Um, and one of my favorite people, like Beyonce's visual albums are insane and they're so, um, so thought out and so, so, so much more than what the, what the um, songs could be. If you don't really understand her, if I was a boy music video, that music video, having Beyonce be the boy and doing all the things and then cut scene to flip. And it's actually the, the guy doing it. it. It just, it blew my mind. I think I was like 13 and I was like, this is incredible. You know, like this is what music is about. And I've just taken that, that like, you don't have to do a music video for every single song, but like, you don't have to have a lot of money, you know? No, I mean, that, that's why I was going to, I commend you because your videos were fun. And I saw a little homage in one of the dance numbers with you and three other people to single ladies. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I picked up that vibe. And the fact is there may, there, it, part of the reason I think some, some musicians most likely don't want to make the vi- music videos. The truth of it is we have this ideal of perfectionism and we want, you know, when I noticed when I was making those music videos myself, it's like, I got the lyrics and I'm not pin- putting any money to do this. I'm, I'm doing it all free with free video clips. And it's like, I couldn't quite match that. I didn't have the shot I needed, but I made the best of it. And it's yep. like, sometimes you just have to get out of the way of perfection. Yeah. That's such a great thing to say that like in therapy or yeah, therapy was the one where I'm frolicking through the forest in a princess dress that was not how the original idea started. We had this crazy elaborate thing of like moving through houses and all this stuff. And then we like did the budget. We're like, okay, so what can we, we can shoot outside. (laughs) We're going to go outside now, you know, that like they all start off in such a way, but like whatever your budget has for make the best of what your budget has for. And most of the time it turns out cooler than what you think, because you know, you're like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to give it the best I got. So. I mean, I remember this is 1995. There's no way you could do this. We made six episodes of a half hour TV sitcom um, on a budget of $200,000. And and that was having sets and having space and everything else. And we didn't get it sold. But the fact of the matter, when all was said and done, we 
did it and it was six episodes and it was edited. And that was the thing when you can look back, it may not have been the true vision of what you wanted, but as long as you were able to bring something to life. Yeah. And you have to get started. You probably learned so much more about that, that you now take into literally everything. And if you didn't have that opportunity, so I'm fine. I learned so much from therapy and to all me that like it gets better and better with my music videos, even just like music videos from 2018 to to the last three. I've learned so much about like what I want to see on camera that I wouldn't have done if I wouldn't have just got started with. Music right. Videos. Right. And I mean, that that's what when, when I was talking to Merchant about it, I'm like, well, I'm making three music videos. I said, can I borrow some of the other? He's like, you can do whatever you want with my music. I'm like, OK. Now, has he signed off and, and liked it? And he hasn't really said much, but it's fine. It's fine. It's giving me, it gave me a creative outlet to do something I had never done before. And it was like, okay, they're up on YouTube. This is fun. And yeah. it, it gave me a whole nother side of creativity. Yeah. So, I mean, I've made book trailers. It's not the same, yeah. but you know, so moving to England, what do your parents think about you moving? How they're really sad. I have seven siblings. I have a very big fam, big niche. They're very sad. Um, I'm going to move home first. I'm going to move back to Chicago at the beginning of August. I'm going to stay the whole month of August and then um, leave and try to celebrate all the holidays in that one month. Um, but I, I've always been the, the kid that like get out <laughs> is just always gone and doing things. So I don't think they're surprised. I think they probably didn't imagine I would move to England. They thought I was going to move to LA and still be in America. And I'm like, no more America. I don't see the rest of the world. <laughs> but maybe, you know, maybe there's a future there for other reasons. Maybe there's, maybe, maybe there's your new partner. You know, there's so many different things. <laughs> I know that was a gag. I saw that's fine. <laughs> and I know you're not looking for that, but that's the thing. It's like, sometimes people are dropped into our lap and we're not even looking. Yeah. I think my mom will be really excited. She takes her vacation every year to Florida, you know, like good Midwesterns do. And I think she'll be very excited to take a vacation, you know, to the UK instead. So I'm trying to like spin it like that. I'm like, see, you can come visit me. You like to travel. I had uh, another guest. She's actually, she lives in England, but she moved to London and she like packed a couple of bags. I think she was in, she lived in Scotland at the time. And she, I think she was either 16 or 18. And cause this has been like, Oh, uh, about eight months since I interviewed her. So I don't remember all the facts, but she packed up three pieces of luggage and she's like, okay, I'm never coming back. And she never did. And she's a writer over there. She's written for TV shows and stuff. So she's got a career over there, but she very much like you, she was just like, I'm not going back. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's all we can do. Yep. So this has been, a delight talking to you. Is there anything that we have not covered that you would like to discuss? No, we killed it. This was amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for coming. Yay, appreciate you. So Kingsley is following her dreams, a dream that she has created since she was a kid. You know, when she was talking about the fact that she was practicing pulling out, not reading, but pulling out the acceptance speech from her dress that that is a delightful story and one day i hope i actually get to see her on stage doing that because that moment will always play in my head because that's taking manifestation and creation to a whole nother level we all we we do things throughout our life that we don't realize that we are trying to create but she has done that she's created her life and while she's not going to la right now 
she's still following a dream to go to London and she's still pursuing her musical passion. And that's the thing. Sometimes when we are pursuing a dream, we have to step into the flow to see where we're going to go. Sometimes we don't necessarily see everything. You know, we may see a, we may see point a and we may see point B and we may see point Z, but we don't see a whole bunch in between. And the thing is, we want to go to Z from A, but we have to take those small steps. So while she went from Chicago to Portland and sometimes to L.A. for for business, but she didn't move there. Now she's moving there. You know, she's moving to London. But you never know where London's going to lead. London could be a permanent thing or London could lead her back to L.A. Things are changing, though, as we said. And the music industry has changed. And, you know, she can conquer England who knows where else in the world she may conquer. So I hope you guys check out her makeup. I hope you guys check out her music and I hope she comes back on the show because she was delightful and I'm really interested in following her journey. So on that note, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, and would like to reach out to the podcast, you can send me an email at Donna, D-A-U-N-A at better2podcast.com. That's Donna at better2podcast.com. And If you have missed an episode and would like to catch up, you can also find our episodes at better2podcast.com or any place where you listen to your podcast. If you go to the actual website, you can find our social media links and follow us there. And I hope that you guys enjoyed the show as always. I, like I said, I think Kingsley's great and I enjoyed talking to her. So I hope you guys enjoy your day, weekend, evening, whenever you choose to listen to the podcast and I'll catch you next time. Bye. The Better Two Podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions.